0: I am more excited about this opportunity than anything we've done. We have, uh, we've had three construction projects on our Rossview campus, our original building, a kids building, and then the expansion to our current facility. We've launched locations at West Creek Middle School at Austin P State University. We're so excited to launch a camp, have a campus there. We've launched locations in uh, Washington State, in Arizona. We have a daughter church in Smyrna, Tennessee. But I'm telling you, I am more excited about what we are doing with this new tiny town campus. Part of it is because I feel like we know a little bit more about what we're doing. Uh, When we built our first addition here, I didn't know anything about building anything. I was bad at Lincoln Logs and Legos too, y'all. Hear what I'm saying? And so building a new church wing was a big undertaking. It was 8,000 square feet, and I thought it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. It was, I didn't actually like hammer a single nail, you know what I'm saying? But I had to raise the money, I had to get it all designed and built, but I was 34 years old, I just didn't know what I was doing. Adding this new location was exciting, but now launching this new church, I mean, we're in a different place as a church. We're, we're a stronger church than ever, but more than that, I'm very excited because this part of our town is growing like crazy. The tiny town area of town, anybody live near exit one, around exit one, heading towards Fort Campbell, this is your neighborhood that we're coming into, and I'm excited for it. But here's, here's a statement I've been making all morning. I believe today is a moment in our church's history that we are gonna make some big decisions, we are gonna make some pledges, some commitments, we're gonna raise our hand and tell the Lord God I'm in, and we're gonna make some, some decisions today that will change our church forever, that will change our city forever, and I believe with all my heart it will impact heaven and eternity forever. I've titled the message I'm All In for Eternal Impact. Have you ever considered the idea that the decisions you make have an impact later on down the road. I mean, we, we know this is true in, in kind of benign things, right? If you eat poorly for a month at a time, you're, you have an impact with your waistline at the end of the month. Can I hear an amen, everybody? On the other side, if you eat well and exercise for a month, you're thankful by the impact that that had just in a short little amount of time. If you'll put $100 every paycheck into a retirement account, young people, please, for the love of God, listen to me if you're in your 20s, 65-year-old, you will love that you did that. Can I hear an amen from all the 65-year-olds? Your decisions have consequences, good or bad, your decisions have an impact. But have you ever thought that the decisions you make can actually have an impact in heaven? See, a lot of us think of heaven as a place that we hope to get to one day or we look forward to, but we don't think about our decisions can actually change the course of eternal history. Today is our Commitment Sunday for our Forward Campaign and we have said we're all in on giving generously to help build a new church. But I want you to understand that when you pledge today, when you make a commitment on these commitment cards, when you give to build the church that God is calling us to build, you will literally change the population amount of heaven. I mean, can you believe that? One of my overseers, the overseers of our church, and and I call him the bishop, his name's Dino Rizzo, He says, we wanna do all we can with our lives to plunder hell and to populate heaven. Can I hear an amen from the church today? Let me say it one more time. He says, we wanna do all we can with our lives to plunder hell and to populate heaven. That's what I'm talking about. I wanna give my life to do something. I wanna give my resources. I wanna be useful to God to make hell a smaller place and heaven a bigger place. I've shared this idea recently. I've said, could you imagine if all of us at LifePoint got to heaven, you know, one day and we're with the Lord forever. It's gonna be amazing. They're gonna have peanut butter and chocolate fountains everywhere. Y'all hear what I'm saying? There's gonna be coffee with heavy cream all over the place, just station, no sugar, none of that girl stuff. We're gonna have coffee like a man. You know what I'm saying? Just kidding. We're gonna be up there just getting down, watching The Office on reruns all the time. It's gonna be great. Worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. But could you imagine if God were to call everyone at LifePoint together one day and say, hey guys, I wanna show you something. And everyone that was ever a part of LifePoint Church during this season, we got to go into this big old theater, you know, thousands of seats. It's going to be like a, an amazing just IMAG the, you know, whatever, IMAX, is that what's Yeah, I'm clearly a movie guy. So huge theater. They're going to have tons of popcorn with extra butter on it because bless God, there's no, there's no weight gain in heaven. Hallelujah. We're going to go for it. There's going to be just boxes of Milk Duds everywhere because chocolate and caramel is from heaven and Diet Coke because we're being sensible. We're gonna get into this theater. And could you imagine if God said to us in that theater, I want you guys to see every face that is in heaven now because of what you guys did when you were in Clarksville. Could you imagine sitting there and just watching the names of faces roll across the screen? And some of you will be sitting in the audience going, oh my gosh, that's when I got there, 2018, in that building on Ross, oh my goodness, I can't. And you're sitting in the audience watching yourself come, because that's some of your story. And we just got to watch the thousands and thousands of people that get to go to heaven because of the decisions that we made to be obedient to Christ now. Wouldn't that be amazing, everybody? I feel like I want to get to heaven one day and say, hey, God, did you catch my movie idea, by the way? I just want to know if that's possible. Building churches is the best way to populate heaven and plunder hell. Some people think we need to get back to door knocking or evangelistic outreaches or big events. Listen, statistically and culturally, the best way to reach people who are far from God is to plant more churches. It's why we partner with churches all over city. It's why we're gonna continue to partner with new church plants. It's why we are excited about churches growing in our city. We are not in competition with other churches in this city. Can I hear an amen? Some people ask me, they're like, how how do you feel when people leave LifePoint and go to other churches? I say, are you kidding me? I ain't mad we're riding a different bus to the same heaven. I don't care at all. You hear what I'm saying? Plus, we need their seats. I mean, we need the room. So I don't want you to leave, but I'm saying we help Real Life Sango, Living Hope, First Baptist Downtown. We help all the churches, a Mosaic Church. We help churches because we believe that building churches is the best way to reach people far from God. And I just want to thank you in advance for praying, for giving, for serving, for inviting, for loving people who will come to your church. As we wrap up this series, just let me give you a few thoughts As we wrap up our forward campaign next week, we'll start a 10 week series in the book of Philippians, by the way. But today, I just want you to understand a couple things. First of all, God has done great things. If you're a testimony of God has done something great in your life since you've been a part of your church. Can I hear an amen from anybody today? Praise God. Our whole story as a church is a story of God doing great things. Please don't ever tell the church story and start naming the names of people who lead it. This church is about Jesus and what he has done. There's a worship song by a guy named Phil Wickham called Great Things and in the chorus he sings, oh hero of heaven, you've conquered the grave. You free every captive and you break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. This is what we've seen over and over and over again. God has set thousands of people free from a life of sin and bondage into their sin. We have story after story of God breaking chains of addiction, bondage, despair, and hopelessness. I love to hear the stories of people who said, my marriage was falling apart, but God restored my marriage. My kid was far from God, but God rescued my kid and brought him back to faith. Of stories of people who said, I was sick and God healed me. I was far from God. I was blind, but now spiritually I see. I love the stories that come out of our church. It's a constant reminder that God is alive and we serve a good God who is still doing great things. In Revelation chapter 12, the writer of Revelation says, They have conquered him, the devil. They have conquered and overpowered the devil. Look at this. By the blood of the lamb. Ultimately, it's by by the shed blood of Jesus and by the word or the telling of their testimony. If you wanna overcome despair and you wanna overcome the tricks and schemes of the devil, tell somebody what God's done in your life. Talk about what Jesus has done. Man, I wanna encourage you. Tell others your Jesus story. Let others know what God has done in your life. If he set you free from bondage, declare it to somebody. If he's healed your body, post about that. Quit posting about your crazy whatever social thing you're talking about. Talk about what Jesus has done in your life. If he's restored your relationship, man, just share that with others. If he's done it, tell it over the years God has done amazing things in our church. I could go on and on and on about story after story after story. We have bona fide miracles that have happened in our stories, healings that have taken place in our church. We've had miraculous financial things happen in our church that don't even make sense. They don't make sense. How many of you know God math is not the same as algebra one? Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? It doesn't make sense that we give and God blesses us with more than we gave away to do more for him. It just doesn't make sense. Just in the last five years, I told you last week, we've seen over 1,600 people baptized saying, I follow Jesus publicly. Let me just give you a little context here. On average, most churches in America see zero baptisms in a year, zero. That means nobody's getting saved and no one's going in the the water to, to, to go public with their faith. Many churches in our country see zero baptisms, are declining in attendance, but God has grown. We've never had a year as a church without attendance growth, new salvations, record baptisms, 1,600 people just in the last five years. That is amazing to me. As a church in the last five years, I shared with you last week, you've given away over $6.5 million to missionaries, church planters, and helped with local and national outreach partners like YAPAC, Free International, and Convoy of Hope. One of my favorite questions to ask people recently, hey, could you tell me your life point story? And I'm telling you, it is, it is amazing what God is doing because we built a church, because we've committed that we're gonna follow Jesus and we're gonna do what, listen, we ain't a church for drama. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Save the drama for your mama, y'all. We ain't got time for that. We ain't fighting around here. We ain't trying to be dramatic and crazy. And no, 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 we're on mission. We're trying to reach people. We're trying to love people. We ain't spun up in all that gossipy, juicy drama tales. We ain't doing that. No, we are a church that's about changed lives. God has done great things. Man, I get emotional when I think about the great things God has done here. I cannot believe that the God who saved me lets me be a part of seeing others saved. I can't believe the God who set me free is using me to help other people get set free. I can't believe it. What an amazing God we serve. And if he's done it before, he'll do it again. How many of you believe God will do more? God will do more. It's why we're building a church. Some people have given pushback. I don't understand the pushback, but I get it. I'm the visionary, the dreamer, and I'm always thinking way ahead. And People don't think like I think. But the pushback has been, don't we have enough people? We already have a church. Why do we need to build more? Well, hell is getting bigger all the time. Hell is growing at a rapid rate. And only, listen to me, only the church of Jesus Christ has the message to depopulate hell. Only the church of Jesus Christ has the message. No other religion has the message to depopulate hell. Nobody but the church. Christians of all people should be most excited about doing more to expand heaven. As long as there are lost people in our city, we got more work to do as a church. Can I hear it? Amen, church. Come on now. So we just believe God's going to do more. Let me just talk as a visionary for a second. Let me just dream out loud with you, please. Going forward, I want you to know God's on the move. I've said it for years. The God who never changes is always up to something new. When we moved to Clarksville, Stephanie and I and our two little girls, we had no idea the kind of growth God would bring here. In fact, when I moved to Clarksville, my friends were like, I've never even heard of Clarksville. Where is that? My only friends that had heard of this place were fans of the monkeys. <laughs> Take the last train to Clarksville. Okay, anyway. Anyway. I've heard that's a war protest song. Have y'all heard that? Anyway, when we moved to Clarksville, my friends had no idea where I was going. I was like, man, this place is amazing. I was speaking in faith because I didn't know either. (laughs) But we had no idea the kind of growth God would bring to our city. Now, notice I said the growth God would bring. We had no idea that God would use his church so powerfully in our city. Listen, just let me tell you the truth here. Some of you guys, I'm looking at a friend over there, y'all have been around, some of y'all have been around this city in the church world for a long time. Never in the history, I've got pastor friends that constantly say, Cal Hampton, a second mile church, he'll say, I've been in this city my whole life, I've never seen churches get along so well and pastors get along so well and pastors united to reach a city so well. I, I mean it, I am friend. all these pastors are friends of ours, we get I got pastors coming to preach from Clarksville this year, we're swapping pulpits. Some pastors are like, aren't you afraid your people will leave and go to another awesome church? No, I'm not afraid of that. But I'm telling you, God, I think God blesses when the churches of Christ, Jesus, come together and say, we want to move in our city to the glory of God. So I think Clarksville is a special place because God has breathed on it. Listen, Both of our mayors, county and city, go to church, love the church, have prayer meetings. Our council opens in prayer. Like our community is church friendly. We're family friendly. We love the military here. It's a diverse community. We have one of the highest diversity ratings in all of our region. Our median age is young. We're 30 is the median age of our community, which means we've got a bunch of entrepreneurial spirit and just dreamers and people who wanna get something done for God. The north side of our town was named the hottest zip code, which as summer comes, I believe that more and more. The hottest zip code in America. It was a slow joke, some of you got that. I just read recently that Clarksville is attracting from more metropolitan cities than any other city in the country where people are moving into. We care about people who come to Clarksville. We care about folks who are moving here. We care about folks that already live here. We love that our city is growing, and I believe God is involved in this great migration. I call it great because it's great that you're here. Some people are complaining. I get really, can I just tell you the truth? I get really frustrated when people are like, why in this city's not like it used to be. Nothing's like it used to be. Hello, I'm not like I used to be. I used to like not be able to talk in complete sentences. You know, aren't you glad I'm not like I used to be? Some of you wonder. Anyway, (laughs) nothing's like it used to be. Everything grows, but when God's blessing is on something, Listen, it's amazing that people would complain that traffic's terrible, all these people moving in. All right, what happened to all the farms? Yeah, human beings showed up. And guess what? God didn't die for farms, he died for humans. God didn't die for land or trees, he died for people. And I'm telling you, when people, look, I hate traffic. I hate sitting in lines. I don't like lines that wrap around Chick-fil-A as much as anybody else. But in those lines are humans who we love. I love the people in the lines and I wish they'd drive like I drive, which is a little bit more aggressive and fast and quick and move gone, but don't complain because God is bringing people. Here's what I really believe. God trusts the church of this city to migrate people from all over the country to come here. I really believe that with all my heart. Listen, some of you West Coast refugees know what I'm talking about. You California dropouts, you, you, you folks from Illinois that came down here to glory, we're so glad you're here. Get you a gun and just enjoy. Hunt. Fish. Get a rifle or something. Protect your house. You know what I'm saying? Kill a gopher. It's all right. Backyard don't matter. Shoot it. <laughs> Illinois people are like, what do I do with these giant deer? Like, well, you can hunt them with your car here too, you know? Just go for it. <laughs> I really believe, I know I'm I'm joking about all this stuff and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but listen to me. I believe God is moving people specifically to our city because God can trust the church to love the people he's sending here. I just believe that. My filter is the kingdom of heaven here when I'm talking about this stuff. I'm fully convinced God's involved in this because people like you and me love people that he's sending. And we love what God's doing and we love the people he's sending. We're not just sitting here with our arms crossed in judgment going, I can't believe the type of people that are moving here. They can come, but they better keep their values. No, no, no. They need to come and learn our values of the scripture. And I don't care what kind of crazy you come in with. We're going to teach you the good news of Jesus and we're going to let you know him and we're going to let Jesus change your life. Oh man, get me preaching here. There's a bunch of churches in our city who feel the same way. We're excited. And we're building a church. We're building a church, guys. I mean, you read the New Testament and it's all about building churches and we're still doing it. We're building a church because because we share God's heart for people. Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew 16 and he asked his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And they kick back and they say, some people think you're Elijah, come back from the dead, reincarnated. We don't believe that craziness, right? They said, some people think you're John the Baptist again, you're some other prophet. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, okay, regardless of what they think, what do you, who do you think I am? And let me just pause and tell all of you, you need to know Jesus and you need to know who he is. Don't worry about what other people say about Jesus. Some of us have built our whole theology about what non-believers think about Jesus. Quit worrying about what the world thinks about Jesus and you get to know Jesus and know him for yourself. He says, who do you say that I am? So then Simon Peter, this is an interesting play on, the, on, on words that, that Matthew records both of his names, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Jesus responds to him. By the way, this is still our confession. Jesus is the Lord. He is Messiah. He's the Christ. And he's God forever. Can I hear an amen? Jesus answered him. This is so interesting. He says, blessed are you, Simon bar Jonah, which means son of Jonah, Simon, Jonah's son. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Notice, Jesus is calling Peter by his birth name. I'm just gonna nerd out for just a second here. Y'all remember the story of Peter when Jesus met him back in the beginning of Matthew and Mark's gospel? He borrows his boat, preaches to a bunch of people, a bunch of folks get saved, and he comes back. He's like, what's your name, man? And he goes, my name's Simon. He's like, nah, it ain't, it's Peter. It's just Jesus, the baller, just changing names on fire. I'm just gonna start doing that to people. What's your name, Tabitha? No, it ain't, It's Christine. If I don't know your name in the lobby, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. I'm just gonna make up a name, Tim. Whatever, anyway. There was actually a prophetic reason why Jesus decided to call Simon by another name. But notice what he says here. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That's what your dad called you. Look what he says. For flesh and blood did not teach you this. Like you didn't know that I was the Christ. You didn't know I was the son of God because your daddy taught you this. Look what he says but my father who's in heaven taught you this. In other words, this is a spiritual thing. Jesus said, nobody comes to me unless the father draws him. That's what we want people to experience with our church. Not what your, your father, your family of origin or what your friends say about Jesus. We want the father of heaven to teach us about Jesus. And then he says, and now I tell you, you are Peter, which in the original language means rock. And he says, and on this rock, not the rock of Peter. If you came from a Catholic tradition, you've been taught your whole life, that the rock of the church is St. Peter. Jesus did not build his church on any man, but he built his church on the rock of a confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what we still confess. Look what he says. You are Peter rock and on this rock of what you just said, Remember, he starts by who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, and because you've said that, I can build around that. And on the rock of that confession, look what Jesus says. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to understand the heart of God is to build his church to plunder hell and to grow heaven. And as long as we stay committed that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Christ, he is God of all, God is gonna continue building his church with us. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So we're building a church because we have a heart for God's heart for people. We're building a church because we have a heart for people far from God. I don't know if you care about lost people, but you need to. If you're gonna serve Jesus, you need to love what Jesus loves. And he has a heart for the missing in Luke chapter 19, there's this beautiful story of Jesus. He's coming into a town and, and there's a, a, a small statured man named Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, grew up Jewish, but then he became a Jewish extortionist. He's taking money from his own people to fund the Roman roads and the Roman pagan temples. And he's cutting off the top, making himself very wealthy. Well, Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus and he's trying to, he heard Jesus is coming to town and he's trying to see Jesus with his own eyes. And the Bible says that this crowd was so big that it was pushing Zacchaeus, who was short in stature from seeing Jesus. Pause, I just wanna say, sometimes church, we're so good at being around Jesus, we don't realize we're blocking others from seeing him. So Zacchaeus is trying to see him, so he climbs up a sycamore tree to get up there, and Jesus sees him in the tree, calls him down and says, hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Guess what the religious people did when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner? They freaked out. They're going, I can't believe Jesus, the son of God, would go and eat with a sinner like Zacchaeus. You know what Jesus didn't do? Give any response to the religious people chirping. They, all they saw was Jesus eating with sinners. All Jesus did was talk to the sinners he was eating with. Jesus has this encounter with Zacchaeus where Zacchaeus' immediate response was to go all in with Jesus. He said, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll give whatever I can away. I'll repay everything back, not two times, but four times. I'll tithe as many times as you need. He met and Jesus said, salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus today. And then he makes this comment to his disciples. He said, for I came to seek and to save the lost. We are building a church for people who've never been to church before. We're building a church for people who've never been around Jesus. We're building a church for people who don't love God, who are actually God haters, atheists, agnostics, antagonistic towards the church. We're building a church for them because Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. See, a lot of times when you build a church, Christians go, oh yeah, you're building this for us. Yeah, you can go. No problem. You can help us do it. Awesome, serve it, pray in it. Give to it, great, but we're building it to reach people who haven't come yet. Can I just pause and ask this question? We opened this building in 2017 at Rossview Campus. Since 2017, how many of you have come to Life Point Church since 2017 when we opened this building? Come on, raise your hand for them. Yeah, we built it eight years ago. We were praying for you guys. We go, we're gonna build a building for people that haven't even been here yet. And if I, I don't wanna embarrass anybody, but I know just looking around the room, There are many of you here that didn't know Jesus Christ before coming to this church. And we especially built this place for you. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. We're building a church for people far from God. We're also building a church for people who left the church. Man, I'm raising four kids in church. And and it's it's already enough pressure that their dad does what he does. And my wife, we do what we do. But but I got to raise my own kids to have a prayer life and read their Bible and they they're, they're normal kids like everybody else's kids. One of my greatest prayers every day is for my kids to serve Jesus for their whole lives. And I know every parent feels the same way. Statistically, it's daunting stats about kids who leave the church after leaving high school. Many of us have friends that have come in and left the church and we're building a church for those who have left. In Luke 15, we see this beautiful story. It's one of my favorite chapters of the whole Bible. All of Luke 15 is brilliant. Jesus uh, is spending time with sinners. Here's what it says, the tax collectors and the sinners, look what it says, they were all drawing near to Jesus. There's something about Jesus that's attractive to people who don't know him. Can I just tell you, like Christians, I think unchurched people are really interested in Jesus. Sometimes they're not very interested in us. We gotta fix that. Gandhi said, I love your Jesus, it's your Christians that I don't love that much. But Jesus had a way of attracting people The tax collectors, the sinners were all drawing near to him. And again, the Pharisees and scribes grumbled. They're clapping back saying, this man receives sinners and has meals with them? And so Jesus doesn't even respond to their their complaints. He just tells a story. He tells a parable and he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, you don't leave the 99 in the open country and then go after the one that's lost until he finds it. Like he's saying, you don't just do like a three minute, like look over the horizon on, eh, well, I got 99 more. Eh, it's okay, I'll just have the boy and girl sheep, like go build me another one. He goes, which one of you with 100 sheep, you lose one, don't you leave the 99 to go chase down the one until you find it. Now watch this, and then when he's found it, You lay the sheep on your shoulders rejoicing. Can I tell you something? Like going after those who have left the the family of God, it's hard work and it's a heavy load. If you go after a sheep out in the wilderness, you don't just go look at the sheep and go, get back over there to the sheepfold. No, 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 it'll still wander off like a dummy. So the shepherd has to pick that 80 pound sheep up with ticks and gross and poop on its wool and everything else. Pick that sheep up and put it around its neck and carry that sheep all the way back. The labor of going after missing sons and daughters of God is high. The cost is high and it's exhausting. And listen, you know why it's important that the shepherd would carry it back? He could just tie a noose around its neck and drag it back. But the shepherd would choose to carry it close because notice the shepherd's rejoicing because I found my sheep, but why would he carry it around the neck? Because the whole time back, that shepherd is whispering into the ear of the sheep, reconnecting the voice of the shepherd back to the sheep. You know why sheep wander? Because they lose the voice of their shepherd. And that shepherd's decision is, I'm gonna talk to you, I'm gonna remind you, I love you. I'm the voice you need to follow. Don't follow the voice of another shepherd. Don't follow the voice of culture. Don't follow the voice of your inner self. You need to follow the voice of the shepherd who loves you. And notice, the whole drag is with rejoicing. Because he's saying, What sheep shepherd doesn't rejoice at finding? He goes on to say, and then when he's come home, he calls all of his friends together and says, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Man, I love this. When have you ever been to a party celebrating a lost sheep that was found? The next story is a woman who loses one coin. She got a whole bag of coins, loses a coin, flips her whole house upside down, pulling up floorboards and everything else. And when she finds a coin, throws a massive party for all the neighbors. Can you imagine this? Jesus is saying, the point is we celebrate like crazy when one person comes back to Jesus and listen, she, can you imagine going to this party? Hey, we're throwing a huge bash. We got DJ Khalid scratching record. You know, what are we celebrating? We found a nickel, but it's a precious nickel. Well, don't you have more nickels? Yeah, but i missed this one. Don't you have more sheep? Yeah, but I, this one was lost. Hey church, don't you have enough people? Not as long as hell keeps getting bigger. Not as long as hell keeps getting bigger. Jesus says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven. We have an eternal impact. Can you imagine the joy shouts that are happening in heaven? There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Did I tell you 1600 baptisms in five years? That's a lot of joy in heaven. Over one sinner that repents than over the 99 righteous people who no longer need repentance. Can I, can I say this for you another way? That's a little offensive. Can I just get in your business for just a second? Is that okay? I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm just waiting on you to say yes. Jesus says there's more joy in heaven for the prodigal coming home, the lost one coming back than all you church folks that have been here every week. And I'm afraid sometimes Christians, we think God's so enamored with us the fact is, God's glad you're here, but he's really hunting down the ones that aren't here yet. And listen, when one person comes back to faith, all of heaven erupts. When you show up for church again, he's like, I'm glad you're back. A lot of Christians think we're so important to heaven. Look, I think God's like, I'm glad you're, here. you're in. You're in, like enjoy it, embrace it, live it out. But man, we are still looking for the missing. The next parable he gives is the parable of the two sons and the father keeps his eye on the hills for the missing son, even though he's got another son that's at home working every day. He doesn't ignore this one, but he's focused on who's missing. We will build a church for those who are missing. Can I hear an amen, everybody? We're building a church for the next generation. We're building a church for the next crop of soldiers who will come and defend our nation. Jesus said, never reject kids who come to him. Never reject the next generation. Young adults and kids and students who are dreaming to do something great for God. Listen, we are building a church. We, God is doing great things and we're gonna keep being a part of it. God is still doing great things. I believe with all my heart, the best is yet to come. We will be a church that has the heart of a loving father and we're gonna give to that end. We're gonna serve to that end. I want the Lord to look to us and say, I've given you so much, what have you done with it? And that he would find us to be trustworthy. Finally, I wanna show you what we're doing then I wanna invite you all to participate. We all have a part to play. What's happening? I wanna show you something as we wrap up this message and I want you to see a video of our new building. We actually have a computer rendering, a video animated of our new facility and and the land is paid for on Tiny Town Road. We praise God for that, but the building is not. And we're heading into a building program. Today is week one of our 36 month capital campaign and I want every one of you to participate, but I wanna first show you our beautiful state of the art, brand new church at our Tiny Town campus and then I'm gonna have a closing illustration. Check this out. excited to see our new building everybody aren't you pumped i can't wait i just believe with all my heart this is where god's leading us next and i'll never apologize for being a pastor who wants to reach more people for jesus never I, I just i can't wait i think it's gonna be great i want us to be all of us to be a part of this and i'm really excited it seems like a huge task when i was a, a young pastor we I, I was on staff at a church as music and youth pastor and And um, we had a a baby grand piano on our stage. And about every month we'd have to clear the stage for concerts we hosted. And I just know like 800 pound piano is not, I could do a 750, but 800 was just too much for me to carry on my own. But about every month I'd have to clear that piano off the stage. And the only way it worked is if I'd get like six or eight guys around that piano. And then many hands make light work of heavy loads. And that's where we're at. We're looking at this new building. And how many of you know it's fun to dream and it's a cool video to see, but it's gonna cost us Quite a bit. It's the most expensive thing we've ever undertaken, but based on the cost of labor and materials today in today's building world, it's gonna be right at $18 million. We are pressing ahead with this project. We've actually signed contracts. We're planning to break ground in the fourth quarter of this year. And we've actually ordered steel uh, either this past week or we're going to at the first of this coming week. And we are doing everything we can to, to do this on time, under budget, and to make a great building to the glory of Jesus Christ so we can reach people. And I'm asking every one of you to join me Join me in the giving to this campaign and making commitments over the next three years. As we wrap this message, I wanted to set a table for us, if you will, and I wanna illustrate for you what we're building and why. I showed you the building, the actual renderings of what it's gonna look like, but I wanna have a dinner table that shows you the kind of place that we're building and the kind of church that we're building together. This table, I'm calling it our forward dinner table. Any Southerners like to eat out? Come on, Jesus, y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm Cajun and Southern, so I like to eat out twice a week. Y'all know what I'm saying? Th- this table is gonna represent what we're doing and the seats, and I've got some friends that are gonna come up here and help me. This, these seats represent who we are doing it for. Listen, I, I, I love to have a great meal with friends, but we're building a church not for us. We're building a church for strangers, people we don't know yet. So imagine, if you will, that we are building this table at El Bracero or El Rancho Grande. Chips and queso are just flowing. Come on, Jesus. I want to ask some friends of mine to come up here. If Jack, if you would come up here first and, and join me at the forward dining table. Imagine that we're at this table and, and this table represents the people that we're inviting to this church. Just have a seat right here, Jack. How you doing? Man, I'm so thankful for this guy. The first person I'm asking him to represent for us is the person who's never been to our church before. In fact, never been to any church. The truth be told, if I can say it, may I? Jack gave his life to Jesus for the first time ever at LifePoint within the last five years. He moved here from California and his first time to meet Jesus was here. He and his wife and his wife, Stacy, who's recovering from cancer. And we praise God for that as well. God is so good. Eight years ago, when we made plans for this building, we prayed for him. And he represents any person that will be coming in the future, the the atheist, the agnostic, the antagonistic towards religion and and conservative family values and all the things that we say we stand for when it comes to our our conservative faith values, et cetera. The, the, The person who has no idea that we're praying for her and praying for him, and we're desperately wanting to set a table for him. We're building a church, because Jesus loves to eat with sinners and people far from God. And this first seat is about who we're after, people far from Christ. I'm going to ask my friend Dustin to come up here and help me out as he represents the next generation. I love being a church for people. Man, I want to, yeah, you can stay seated. This is Dustin. He has, uh, since he was about 12, tried to be taller than me. (laughs) You're almost there, buddy. Dustin represents the kids and the college students and the young adults that are coming to our church. He represents the KidPoint volunteers and the Dream Teamers that will come up and serve all of our little babies and, and serve on the stage and become a pastor one day or, or find a calling or meet his wife in our new location. Dustin, to me, represents the next generation of soldiers. I've been telling you for weeks about, I've been praying for this 13-year-old kid in the Midwest who's gonna, in five years, go to a recruiter's office and raise his hand Dustin, are you a junior in high school this year? I'm a senior. A senior, okay, and available ladies. Uh, Dustin, (laughs) Dustin may raise his hand one day and offer himself to serve our country and get his first duty station. Some kid somewhere in America is gonna come to Fort Campbell as a brand new soldier, as an E3, and he's gonna come to the barracks and they're gonna say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? They're gonna say, Dustin, come with me to church. And he's gonna walk into our new building and he's gonna give his life to Jesus and he's gonna find purpose and he's gonna see how serving the military is a calling from God. And we're gonna develop and disciple somebody like Dustin who will serve Jesus. Lissette, if you would come up and fourth is Don, if you wanna come on up here too. The third seat is someone that we pray for often here. And, and if you've heard my story or read my book, you've heard me talk about the prodigal son or daughter who's come back and, These are all actors, so they're, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody here, but Lissette is here representing the missing daughter, the missing son who used to come to church, who used to love Jesus, who used to be in our student ministry, but according to Barner Research and Lifeway Research, about 65% of young people at the age of 18 to 22 leave the faith, many never to return. Well, I'm so thankful that we're building a church where someone like her can come back to the church and not be met at the door with shame and contempt for where you've been and what you've been doing. We're going to be a church with open arms like the loving father who said, I'm so glad you're here. We found a coin. We're throwing a party and we're building a church for people who have left the faith and need a place to come back to. We're building a church. This is Don. He's one of our staff pastors, Don represents all the Christians that are gonna come and be a part of our church. We talked about the great migration and God's moving a lot of Christians to this city into this community. And there's Christians all over the north side of town that are looking for a life-giving church, a place where they can be used by their by their God-given gifts and, and give and so generously. And they can disciple these young men and these young women and they can be used to, to lead our friends to Jesus and walk them through faith on a golf course or wherever else. And we've got all these four people. And I don't know about you, but I find this to be one of the most beautiful tables assembled. It's a table that none of us would on our own go. I wanna go find an unbeliever, a, a, a backslider, a really righteous religious person, and a young person. Let's go to El Brasero together. That's the beauty of the church and it's the kind of table we're building together when we build a new church. But there's another seat and it's my favorite seat. It's this fifth one. And it's the one you and I get to occupy. get in here with you guys. I don't know about you, but this happens to me. Every time I go out to eat with my family, every time I go out to eat with a staff member or any volunteers in our church, every time we go out to eat at El Bracero, the server comes with the check and they all look at me. <laughs> my kids never fight me to pay the bill. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Our staff knows if we go eat with Pastor Mike, eat up. But the truth is I've modeled for years that it's my absolute pl- pleasure and privilege to take the check. Man, if, if this gets you at the table, I'll pay the check. If this gets you back at the table, I will pay the check. If this develops you into the strapping man of God that he's, developed, he's called you to be and given purpose, and if this allows you to be empowered in your giftings and, and make a difference in this community, let me do this part. In fact, when I go out to eat, I'm, I'm always the one, especially in my town, I'm the one who whips out the card fastest and, I love it when older guys go, no, you're not paying for my meal, young man. I said, I'm bigger than you. And almost always that works, unless I'm at dinner with you. Soon enough with you, you can pay for my food. What a privilege to be seated at this table, to build a church that looks like this and to know that I'm in the position to pay for it. I'm the one who will gladly pay to make sure all of them get so well fed. I'm so happy to raise my hand, man. I'm telling you, when I go to a restaurant, if I see you across the room, your bill may get paid too. I love to pay for meals. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to long for this table, to pray for this table, to desire to be a church that looks like this table, where God is changing lives. I'm asking you to raise your hand today by by raising this forward card, if everyone would take it out, You have a copy of it in front of you. There's a QR code, you can do it there digitally or you can do it in paper. But I'm asking you to raise your hand to take up the check with me. We've been praying this prayer the last two weeks. We've said, Lord, everything I have belongs to you already. How would you like me to give away your money? We started with that in Psalm 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We've said, God, everything I have is yours already. How would you like me to give away your money? Some people have criticized this campaign or pushed back and said, why do we need another church in town? There's churches on every corner. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are way more people not in church than in church. And people say, well, they just want more money. Okay, Philippians 4, 17 is my pushback on that verse. I promise you, we're not after your money. Paul said, it's not that I seek your gift. I'm not after your money. He says, I seek the fruit of your giving that will increase and will be to your credit. Remember that film we're gonna watch in heaven one day? When we get in that theater and God goes, come here, look at who you reached. Look at what you did. Can you believe he and his wife who came here from California migration? They were early adapters right here. And they came to Clarksville and popped into a church, gave their life to Jesus because seven years ago, somebody gave thousands of dollars to build this place. Paul says, I seek the fruit of your giving that I'll credit to you. So I wanna ask you, what if God could direct how we give his money. What if we would take these pledge cards and say, God, I am all in. I wanna build a table like that. I wanna build a church like that. I wanna see people, young people, old people, lost people, saved people, people coming back to faith. I wanna be a church. I wanna build a church that that reaches people like that. I wanna tell you before we leave, on behalf of everybody represented at this table, every person that will come to Jesus because of your gift, thank you. Thank you for trusting God, for hearing from God, for reaching in deep, for making a bold and sacrificial financial commitment. But all of us need to be a part of this to build this great church. I believe with all my heart, God's directing us to do this. And I believe we're all in to make an eternal impact. So I want to ask you right now, take your card and for the next minute, minute and a half, Pastor Elmer's going to play. Our stage will clear. We're going to hand this off to our online campus pastor and our Austin P campus pastor for them to lead you in this time of prayer and commitment. Closing prayer. But I want you to take the next minute. Nobody leave. Nobody move. Take this card. Fill it out. And let's prayerfully commit, God, I got the bill. I'll do my part. And we'll build a church like this together. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Come on, let's pray. Let's spend time. Thank you guys for being up here. I appreciate it. I'm asking every family to join us, to do something. You've prayed and sought the Lord. Now obey God and do what he says. As you leave today, our ushers will be at every door. We just ask you to drop this in the bucket. If you're doing it online, go ahead and submit that, and that'll be turned into us as well. And again, on behalf of everyone represented at this table, everybody that's coming, thank you. I wanna pray over you. I wanna pray over these cards you would just open your hands to the Lord. If you're holding your pledge card, just hold it up and let me pray over you or your phone if you did it digitally. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to do this. You've invited us to be a part of this great endeavor to build your church. God, we know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We confess Christ as Lord. You are God forever. You are the only way to salvation and we believe it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over every family, every member of this church making commitments today that God, you would provide everything you put on their heart to give, that Lord, you would provide everything else they need to live their lives and to thrive and to to flourish and to be a blessing to others. God, I'm asking as every family participates to do something that Lord, this is an all play, it's an all in, that no one would be left out, that God, you would make a way and bless each and every one of them in Jesus' name. And we thank you now, Lord God, that you're gonna help us reach so many people for Jesus. As we continue to grow as a church, we commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Can everybody pray this with me? Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin. Say, I give you my whole life. I'm all yours, I'm all in, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate everybody, amen.